Welcome to the Dine One Six, a food podcast about Sacramento. I'm your host, Max Connor, and today we switch gears a bit. So far, I've talked to bakers, chefs, and restaurant owners, but today I'm going to talk to someone who works in the food world in a completely different capacity. Now, we've all been guilty of it. You get a beautifully plated dish at a nice restaurant, or maybe just an epic Ron Swanson level breakfast platter and you just can't help but pull out your phone to take a picture of it and post it on Instagram before you dive in. My guest today does just that, but does it for a living. Taylor Gillespie is a local food photographer working under the business name Food in Focus, and she's taken pictures for all sorts of restaurants and food product companies. She is also the head staff photographer for Style Magazine, which is a local magazine produced in Folsom. She's worked with Q1227 in Roseville, Burger Patch, and the Better Meat Company, to name a few. Better Meat Company, episode four of this podcast. Go back and check it out. Now, people say that you eat with your eyes first, and I think that's definitely true, because I know that I want to devour everything I see that comes across Taylor's Instagram feed. What I loved most about this talk is that Taylor's story is really inspiring and interesting. Her business has been completely bootstrapped and built on guts and gumption. She's extremely social media savvy and gives some great advice for anyone looking to build a personal business through social media. We also talk about food in Sacramento and cover Taylor's personal roots in food, which run pretty deep, as you'll hear. So with that, let's jump right into my conversation with food photographer Taylor Gillespie. Taylor, thanks so much for being here on the Dine One Six. It's yeah, really a pleasure to yeah, have you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this interview because it's such a different. Everybody loves to take pictures of their food, and I mean, yes. like, and obviously, <laughs> you're probably a digital native as far mm-hmm. as the phenomenon of people taking pictures mm-hmm. of their food and putting it on Facebook and Instagram. But what was the role of food in your life growing up? What was sort of the role of food in your household? What was your connection to food as a kid growing up? I mean, my my parents are, uh, my, my mom worked in the food industry. She was a sous chef for a restaurant for many years when I was a kid. My dad cooked in kitchens, uh, I think probably before I was born, and then a little bit when I was younger. But I think food was just always something that was very meaningful to my family, and it was really easy to, I learned a lot of stuff. My mom grew up in Hawaii, actually, okay. so she's very much from California, but she did grow up in Hawaii, so I grew up around a lot of Hawaiian food, Korean food, Vietnamese food, lots of Asian foods that my mom and my aunts would just make homemade from scratch but uh, I mean we're the the whitest family we're nowhere near (laughs) no one in our family is Asian at all but I think having that influence I grew up a lot around a lot of different cuisines that my friends and I guess people that I grew up I I, I grew up born and raised in Roseville so I grew up around a lot of people that the foods that I was eating sushi and kimchi and like just a bunch of um those types of foods that my mom grew up eating in Hawaii, instead of putting hot dogs in our mac and cheese, she would put like Portuguese sausage or something like mm-hmm. that. So it was just, we'd eat ramen all the time for breakfast. And I still really enjoy eating the kind of the foods that my mom made growing up. And so I think food was really interesting to me because I did notice that the things that my parents would prepare and the foods that I ate growing up were a little bit different from what other kids were eating. And that kind of 
got me interested in. My mom was always cooking in the kitchen. My grandparents always were. It was always a very home cooking was a big thing. That's cool. Yeah, that yeah. was going to be my question is a lot of, you know, you meet lots of chefs who eventually they work mm -hmm. in a kitchen so much. They don't really cook at home. So that's fun that your mom still brought those skills and that experience exactly. and did a lot of Yeah, a lot yeah. Of I think cooking. for her it was really important for us to learn how to cook for ourselves and know how to make rice and boil pasta and all of the basics. It was a lot of fun learning from her. And we would, when she worked at, she worked at the Granite Bay Country Club. She was the sous chef there for a couple years. Okay. And I remember as I must've been only nine years old and she would take us in and we'd walk around the kitchen and get like <laughs> snacks from the cooks and things like that. So it was a really fun experience. Yeah. That's cool. That's great. So you've been in Sacramento your whole life, have you lived anywhere else or? Um... Um, when I graduated high school, I moved to Concord, just like the East Bay. Yeah. Uh, for a couple of years, I went to community college. I think I was just sick and tired of Roseville. Sure. Um, I wanted to, any teenager, just want to get out and leave. Um, the Bay Area was fine. It was a good experience to get out of town and be on my own for a couple of years. But I think after a while, I really started missing Roseville. And I, I came back and finished community college at Sierra. At okay. Sierra College, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you mentioned, I know on your website, you, you talk a little bit about you were raised in an entrepreneurial household as mm -hmm. well, and that that sort of launched you and that ethic and what you've learned mm -hmm. growing up sort of launched you into starting your own small business. So who owned a business when you were growing up and what did you learn sort of in that aspect that made you want to start your own business? Oh, everybody. Um, my, my grandparents, my dad's parents own Sunrise Natural Foods. Which oh, is no way. the yeah, yeah, they're they're the owners. My grandpa, uh, he's retired now, but he started Sunrise Natural Foods, I wanna say back in the nineties, maybe. They unfortunately got divorced, but my grandmother now owns the owns Sunrise Natural Foods. Um so they were always that was like a big entrepreneurial small business owners. My yeah. dad has owned many businesses throughout his life, like coming and going. My mom owned many businesses coming and going, aunts, uncles, you name it, every single person in my family has been a business owner or somewhat self-employed at one time or another. So it was just that self-employed mindset that work for yourself, like being your own boss. That was kind of the general mindset that I grew up in as a kid. So when I graduated high school and wanted to go to college, I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to be a some kind of business owner. Photography was not even in my mind, it was mm -hmm. like a small hobby, like you said, just posting pictures of your oatmeal on Instagram or right, something yeah. dumb. Like it was just <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's interesting. And I, I enjoyed learning about composition and lighting. And but I probably didn't get my hands on like an actual DSLR camera until maybe my close to my last year of college. And then I was thinking I was taking a lot of small business. I, my major is interdisciplinary entrepreneurship, which is fancy talk for just how to be a small business sure, entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, so I was taking a lot of marketing classes and accounting classes in the mindset of being a small business owner because that's what I wanted to do. And then when I came to graduating, I was kind of getting a little bit more into photography. I got myself a camera and a tripod and a light diffuser and all the things and just kind of having fun with it. And I just decided, you know, this is this is something that I enjoy. Maybe I'll try to monetize it somehow. I don't really have anything to lose. You don't have to go out and get an SBA loan or do any of this. I already had the equipment. Mm -hmm. So maybe just work a couple small 
jobs. I worked at Sunrise Natural Foods for a couple of years. Okay. And just like I, I did a couple of other jobs while also working on my photography business. And it's kind of been that the more food photography clients I got, the less I like I don't work at the grocery store anymore. So it's kind of like just waiting till the income of the food photography met up with my other odd little jobs that I was doing till I could start doing it full time. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Did you transfer to university or did you finish? No, nope, I associate's just have degree? my associate's degree. And for me, college, like I, I think college is incredibly important. And I, I mean, my sister is going to a private university, getting her master's and all of that. But for me, being a food photographer, no one has ever asked me for my resume. Nobody ever asked me, hey, right. what college did you go to and what degree do you have? Like, they don't care. Was, as long as I take good pictures, I'm very happy I went to. Everything that I learned in community college, I honestly use every single day. The marketing, the accounting, the business side, because I would say that's the most important part. Like, you could be an amazing photographer, food photographer or not. You could be – there are lots of people in this world that are better – at photography than I am, food photography than I am, but you have to know how to run a business in order to make money off of it. So I think like learning about business in college was very important for me and I'm happy I did it. That's but great. in but if I ever wanted to get a bachelor's or a master's, college isn't going anywhere. I can always go back if I want to. So that's always something that I consider, but I haven't the, my associate's degree is more than enough. I'm happy with it right yeah, now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I mean, I I am that story. I owned a business for 10 years in my 20s, okay. and then I went back to school and just graduated, you know, yeah. after right after turning 38 years old. So <laughs> it's never too late. In it, but, you know, when, when it's working, exactly. I think that's cool. That's why I asked, right? Yeah, it's I mean, a, I mean, college cool isn't to... cheap. It's not right. free. It's, it's expensive. So if I ever saw it as a good investment, then I would. But, I mean, right now I'm my business is fine. I'm doing well, and I don't feel the need to go get a bachelor's or yeah. a master's at the moment who who knows maybe 10 20 years from now that might change but i'm really happy with the the community college that uh, sierra college was wonderful yeah. I, I i feel bad because sometimes community college gets a really bad rap and people think like oh i'm not going to community college i'm better than that but really i had a great experience i i really highly encourage people especially if you're not so sure because when i went to college i didn't know what i wanted to do i know i wanted to do something in business but that's pretty vague so for me to go to community college and the networking and honestly the people that i met was more important than what i learned in the classroom so just as long as you get to work with people and meet people and network with people, the college doesn't matter as much, especially now if you want to be like a doctor or a lawyer, that's sure. Different. But right. <laughs> I know. In, the, I... in the creative industry, it's, it is, it is different. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I remember when I decided to go back to school and I saw that Cosumnes River College had a radio production program. And so mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'd always wanted to work in radio. Yeah. And I remember walking into the classroom the first day and it was filled with brand new i there's like a classroom filled with brand new imac computers yeah <laughs> and i just remember thinking and i got the board of governors fee waiver so it was free and i was like exactly. i'm gonna come in here yeah. and get to use this equipment mm -hmm. and it's free california community yeah. college system kicks yeah. ass and i'm with yeah. you i don't unless you and it's so much cheaper than yeah yeah it's basically free it is it's crazy it is so Anyway, well, that's awesome. Your story reminds me of uh, there's a book called The E-Myth, which my mm. accountant, when I started a business, made my sister and I, my business partner, read, which is okay. it's called The Entrepreneurial Myth. And the idea yeah. is that so many people 
have a skill or a hobby and they try to turn it into a business, but they don't know how to be a business person. And I think it's really interesting that you had that sort of training and idea of how do I become, you know, a business person, an entrepreneur. And then I also have this thing I really like to do. But knowing the business front end. Yeah, I think because a lot of people ask, oh, did you go to school for photography? Hell no. I I watched YouTube (laughs) videos and uh, just looked through Pinterest and Instagram and learned from people that just, yeah, YouTube was how I learned photography. But the business side, I'm sure you could like YouTube videos for how to start a small business or something. But I feel like that the opportunity to work with, because also the community college, it was my professors were previous small business owners Mm -hmm. or large business owners. So they had the experience. They weren't just teaching out of a textbook. They were writing the textbooks. And then you're also in a classroom full of a bunch of other students that want to start their own small business. So it's very encouraging. And yeah, going to school for business was a really good investment for me i think in time and not really money because i didn't have to pay for it but sure right yeah (laughs) time yeah that's great so how you mentioned your mom sort of got you into photography initially how did you get into photography if it wasn't a lifelong hobby or passion and did Um, you do i'll follow that up with how did you get into food photography specifically after that I, i mean i've always kind of been interested in taking pictures it was i don't know it was just food photography I think of just like the Instagram social media thing everybody was taking pictures of food and I think just kind of stumbling around YouTube and learning more about the industry and also seeing well there's not a lot of food photographers in the Sacramento area and it was just a business that I thought it definitely like if you look back at my pictures three years ago from now like you just get better and better so it does slowly take time but it just seemed like something when I graduated that would be so easy I have never started a business before I've never been a business owner mm-hmm. and being a photographer small business owner I don't have any employees I don't have all of the weight over me when it as a business owner so it just seemed like well hey if it doesn't work out in a couple of years, then I'll just move on and find something else. But it was just, it seemed not as scary as the first business for me to own. So it definitely came from a perspective of something that, I mean, when I started my business, I wasn't that great of a photographer, but I knew that if I just practiced at it and the more I did it, the more clients I got, the better I'd get. So, and I, I think other people around me, especially my peers going to community college and I would show people my pictures and they said, wow, Taylor, you like, it was just that encouragement of people Mm -hmm. saying something that, Oh, those are good pictures. Oh, you're actually a good photographer. I was like, Oh really? Okay. (laughs) Maybe I'll try to pursue it a little bit more. So I think it started out as something that I was just trying to dabble in and maybe make a couple hundred bucks here and there. But then over the years that I've been doing, it's kind of developed into its own business, which is really exciting. Yeah. That's great. So how did you get your first client then? How did you go out and decide, okay, I'm going to try to convince someone that to pay think, me to take photos for them? Yeah, my first client were always product clients, so which is really nice because I'm able to take the pictures just in the comfort of my own home. I'm not driving anywhere. I'm not doing anything. I can do it on my own time. And the product clients, they can be from anywhere in the country or the world, and they just mail me their product. They say, hey, Taylor, can you take five images? And they'll sometimes give like a little shot list description of each image, and then I'll take the pictures and send them the pictures. And that was the easiest way for me to start getting clients because it was just so – it was a lot broader. Yeah. So I want to say my first client was a tea company, which is odd because I don't really do much beverage photography. It was some tea company in Canada, hmm. and I think they just saw me on Instagram. Instagram was like a really good way for me to kind of – I think – 
the best way that how I started was I would just go and get some products from a grocery store and take pictures of them, post them on Instagram, tag the company. They're not paying me or anything, but it just kind of puts me in the eyes of these companies. Mm -hmm. And I think I slowly started doing that until eventually the more content that you have, you have a website and galleries and portfolios, and then businesses will kind of come and reach out to you. And then the restaurant clients were uh, took a little bit more time. I'm definitely doing more restaurant photography now, which I, I do really enjoy because product photography is a lot of fun and it's easy because I'm able to just do it on my own time at my own house uh, in my own photography studio. But it kind of gets lonely sometimes because you're just all by yourself taking pictures day to day. So the restaurant photography is really enjoyable because I actually get to be with the restaurant owners and the chefs and work with them side by side and get to experience that kind of business relationship that you don't necessarily get with the product clients that I've literally only met through email. So, and I've never seen them in person or talked to them over the phone or anything like that. So I do really enjoy restaurant photography a lot now that I'm doing it more often. Yeah, that's cool. It's a good transition. That's 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 great. I, that's a great story of how you really kind of got it going. What does your snack pantry look like? Because I know you My do a lot. Pantry. You do a lot of. I like, do. I have a lot of product snack photography. Clients. So yeah. yeah. Um. I I have. Uh. I've worked with this client called the Good Bean for a while. They mm-hmm. have a crispy chickpea snack and I always have my pantry is always full of their stuff just because I have all of their stuff but I also um, I would say the most fun product photography part about my job you know Instagram when you they have like those giveaways Mm -hmm. the food product giveaways like there's six companies that get together and oh you can enter to win and you get all these products I take those pictures the giveaway pictures oh do you really so I pretty much quote unquote win giveaways (laughs) almost every single month I get just even if I need it I needed like one jar of peanut butter for this one giveaway shot, but they sent me like six jars. Yeah. So I get a lot of just random. That goes back to I just get to try new stuff and new products that just have come to market. I get my hands on a lot of stuff that just random miscellaneous stuff that I would never buy at the grocery store, but it's really exciting to just kind of be sent this stuff for pictures in general that I get to try it, share it with my friends. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That is. It's fun. I saw. I mean, I remember when I saw – the cram sandwich on here, which is like yeah, the yeah, and they're together. local. Yeah, yeah, they're they're from I think Sacramento or yeah. uh, up in Auburn, somewhere around here. They're, somewhere yeah. around here. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah, a fun one. for anyone who doesn't know, you can you can go back and find it on our Instagram or website. But it's peanut butter and jelly pocket sandwich. It basically is basically like it looks like a giant wheat bread it ravioli does, yeah. that's filled with yeah. peanut butter yeah. and jelly. I, I know you can buy their stuff online through their website. I don't know exactly which retail stores they are in, but yeah, they're a really fun, good local company. Yeah, uh, one of my coworkers here was eating one the other day. How I came funny! In it's like it might may it may have been another brand doing something similar. But yeah, it's like I've I know seen what you're that. talking about. I've yeah, seen that sandwich. Yeah. How funny! That's funny. So let's talk a little bit about how to take a good food picture because mm-hmm. that was one of the things <laughs> I wanted to ask you. I, yeah, I mean, I'll, for anyone listening, if you go to Taylor's Instagram feed and we'll have it in the show notes, uh, it's amazing. I mean, it, it like. The sad part is it may make you never want to take pictures of your own food <laughs> and post them again because the difference between a quality professional food photography. Oh, photo if you scroll down far and... enough on my Instagram, you'll see that you'll see that. But you can't delete those because that's it. Just shows your progress. Yeah. Is it, you do get better. I mean, I was that person that just took pictures with my iPhone and posted it to Instagram, and you have to start somewhere. Sure. But yeah. So, what are some of the tips and tricks? What makes a good 
food photograph to you? Um, what, what, let's start with what makes a yeah. bad one? What makes one where you're just like, this, they needed to do X, Y, Z, and it would have been I think I'd better. go with, it's the same thing that makes a food photo good and a food photo bad is the lighting. Mm. Light is the most important part of, a lot of people would say photography is painting with light. Okay. Um, the light is everything, especially when it comes to food. I shoot with natural light, which a lot of photographer, food photographers don't do. They use a lot of artificial uh, flash photography mm -hmm. and things like that with flashlights or just plain like steady lights. But I love how just the sun makes food look really nice. But if you do have some weird artificial yellow light a couple feet away from the ceiling, you'll see it on the food. food yeah. yeah, lighting if it's good light or bad light, it will make or break a food picture. Food is very specific. Even like that's not even talking about beverage photography because then you have glass, which is incredibly reflective. And yeah, so if you can get your hands on, I'd say the best equipment that I use for my, I only have, I have my camera, which of course has a lens on it, my tripod and my light diffuser. If you have those three things, that you that's all you really need i'd say my light diffuser was probably ten dollars on amazon and it makes the light like just unbelievably better wow. it's, it's a big significant difference so you don't really need a lot to take a good food picture it's just a couple things and some practice even if you have like iphones nowadays take amazing pictures so if you can just figure out the light aspect of it and it takes a lot of trial and error but if you can figure out how to work with the light and make the light work with you especially when you're using natural light because i mean the sun doesn't just stay in one place it moves around and there's sure. clouds and there's trees and there's so you have to uh take that into consideration but if you master the lighting food photography becomes a lot easier yeah do you have a spot in your home that you know is just sort of like i do this has really great natural light and then you i can do just set yeah, up little yeah it's, or... i have a really big window in my kitchen so it makes it really easy because i have to be cooking stuff at the same time and so it makes it easy to be photographing in my kitchen at the same time as i'm preparing things and i'm buying my refrigerator in my pantry and i can just have easy access to everything but even then the lighting during different times of year is different i have to really consider when winter rolls around and the sun sets at four o'clock mm -hmm. i have to keep that in mind like i would love to learn i just need to do more practice with artificial light i just haven't had the opportunity yet so that's definitely my next goal so then i don't have to worry about it but i feel like sometimes with artificial light it's tricky because if you don't use it correctly it can make the food look really fake and yeah. artificially lit so that's why i've always just used natural light because it's just something that i've I've practiced most with, I'm most comfortable with, but it does make it a little bit inconvenient during the winter time or when it's a cloudy day or a really sunny day. It's not always consistent. So that's kind of something that you have to keep in mind too. Okay. And how did you learn about food styling or setting up the shot as well? Because obviously there's there's a lot of composition. There's yeah. how are you going to put them in there? I know the shot you did recently, which was great that was on the cover of Style Magazine yes, of you that can go, beverage. Yeah. And yeah, and I was going to say- yeah, there's, there's... on my behind the scenes reels, uh, yeah. I do, I try to, I, I never knew, but I thought it's kind of fun. People like to see the behind the scenes, how I have things set up. Yeah. Um, so that that's on my Instagram. I'd say I learned a lot about composition just through watching YouTube videos and just really, I'd hate to say it, but scrolling through Instagram food pictures and getting <laughs> like inspiration. If, if I have- a photo shoot, uh, like with that Bloody Mary fo photo that was on the cover, I scrolled through Pinterest for about a half an hour. I just 
typed in Bloody Mary photography and I just scrolled and scrolled and just getting ideas of composition and what other in it. I wouldn't call it copying, but you're sure. getting inspiration. And yeah. so really anytime, oh, my client needs me to take a picture of some pancakes or something, I'll just scroll through Pinterest like pancake photography. And that's really how I get ideas for the food styling, the composition, what kind of props to use, what kind of light to do is really just inspiration from other photographers. That's cool. Do you have any Instagram feeds in particular that you love, that food photography feeds? Um, that... Yeah, there's a lady. Her name is Joni Simon. She has like a YouTube video and she's on Instagram or a YouTube channel. Sorry. She's on Instagram at The Bite Shot and she's a professional food photographer. I would say that she really got me interested in food photography because she has been a food photographer for a long time. And then she's now doing like workshops and classes and videos on teaching other people how to be food photographers. So she would be, if you're interested in learning on how to become a professional food photographer, she's amazing. She has a lot of great educational content out there for for that okay cool so let's talk a little bit about sacramento in the food mm -hmm. scene you grew up in roseville yeah and your parents own a well-known or grandparents own a well-known grocery store so how have you sort of seen things change over your time in sacramento when it comes to the restaurant and food scene definitely just it's developing so fast there's new restaurants popping up all over the place the whole brewery microbrewery scene is huge i grew up in lincoln for um a couple of years on and off throughout my childhood and lincoln isn't even it used to be like a tiny little cow town right. and now it's now it's almost as big as roseville it's huge so i think it just the, in general this area has grown so much in the last 20 years or so that it's it, it naturally has grown its food scene quite a lot i mean you're seeing it's sad that there's not it i mean restaurants come and go all sure. the time yeah. um but it does seem like there's a lot of restaurants that have been around for a while but also new stuff popping up all the time that you just wouldn't expect and it's it is really exciting it's fun and i mean just being in sacramento you see the farm to fork what would that be called? Just like a the farm to fork movement, um, movement. I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, with all of the just the incredible produce that California produces, um, there's some amazing uh, restaurants and business owners that are really developing that kind of new, exciting, fun restaurants and menus. And yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely growing a lot. <laughs> yeah, Roseville and two in particular. I mean, Midtown has. There's sort of some well-known chefs and people who have come back and grown mm -hmm. in Midtown over the last 10 years. But Roseville, the Bee just published an article that something like 80 restaurants have opened in Roseville in the last wow. two years. But I'm then not you have, surprised. Yeah, yeah. You have places like Q1227, yep, which I was, is one I of I just your, did a photo shoot up over there a couple days ago. Yeah, one them. of your clients yeah. that their food is amazing. And you have Nick's Tacos not far oh, from yeah. here. In yeah. a, you know, that now has a Michelin bib mm -hmm. gourmand award. In a spot, I remember when they opened, and I just remember thinking, "Yeah, it's a weird little Ooh, spot." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like why would somebody? And it's, I mean, yeah. he's he's killing it over yeah. there. So yeah, it's it's fun to see. So you talked a little bit about before we started recording about how you get to travel a lot for food. So yeah, what are some places you've discovered? That's almost the hard thing when you want to mm -hmm. get into food in Sacramento, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is because mm -hmm. Sacramento is one of the most diverse cities in the country, and there's. I mean, every type of food, but it can be hard to find if you don't really know where to go. So yeah, what are some of the places you've been or just some of the things that have surprised you as you've started to travel and see more restaurants? Yeah. Um, let me think. 
I don't do a ton of restaurant photography down in in Sacramento. I'm mostly up here in on the Roseville Folsom side. Mm-hmm. One Sacramento restaurant that does stand out to me is uh, the, Have you ever had Ethiopian food? I I have not. There's a, there's an Ethiopian place right off of Fulton Ab avenue called absinia it's like unbelievable ethiopian food and but it always seems like really in the middle of like nowhere that you wouldn't think that there would be a restaurant you just have to keep your eyes open because sacramento there's another um a vegan taco restaurant that just opened up called bambi's vegan tacos yeah unbelievable tacos that you would never even i i'd say if you're trying to find good food in sacramento just look outside of where you would expect to find good food because there's always just little gems or diamonds in the rough that you wouldn't expect to find that's not really in the crowded areas or the walking areas or not right next to Golden One Center or something right. like that. It's If you look a little bit outside of the big hubs, you can find some amazing spots. Okay, cool. Yeah. Is You can almost just pull up your phone and go to you yeah. know, go to maps and just Yelp like or... <laughs> pick, yeah, pick an area that's exactly. not Midtown and just put exactly. restaurants and see yeah. what pops up. Yeah. Because there are. I mean, there's so many just little strip malls and places you never exactly. know yeah. what's good. There's a place in Natomas called Saigon Corner that I love mm. that is Vietnamese food, but their their bami sandwiches are killer. Okay. And they're yeah. huge and they're really good. Exactly. And it's a place that, you know, you're you would never you're not gonna see probably yeah. in the Sac V or somewhere else. But exactly. it's, it's yeah. really amazing. There's so many places to try. Is the Bambi Tacos place, is that the new place that's down in Midtown, or is this another place? Because I, I know there's a vegan spot that opened in Sacramento. Like, Yeah, there's a couple vegan restaurants. This one, it's fairly new. I think I, I want to say it is kind of Midtown. I don't remember the street that it's off of. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a new taco spot that if you walked in, you would not think that it was a vegan restaurant. It was pretty incredible. It it was the coolest atmosphere, like a beautiful bar. And that was just like a really fun spot. And I would say definitely because Sacramento is very progressive. If there's something that like, oh, vegan, I don't want that. It's it's just food. Like try something new, try something different because there's so many different experimental chefs out there that are doing new stuff or maybe you're not into Korean food, but there's this new Korean food restaurant. Like, oh, check it out. I mean, there's so many different new things happening and different chefs creating stuff in just all over Sacramento, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The In Sacramento, it does seem like in particular the the plant-based restaurant movement is really starting to grow it does seem like that yeah you had burger patch that mm-hmm. i've done pictures for them yeah I think years ago a, but yeah, yeah when yeah, they first when started they first... a vegan burger chain and then another one that has come in here as well and then vegan taco places and then a lot of chefs who really you know i worked at a place that was called beast and bounty where their that was kind of their whole style I, I, was, I, yeah i know who you're talking about yeah was their half their menu is like meat focused wood mm-hmm. fire but then half of it is it's vegetable like plant-based. And, yeah. yeah and yeah. not even like any sort of fake meat base, but just like we're yeah. gonna take killer no, vegetables. I, I love that. Exactly. Me too. That- like highlight the plants, the plant part of it. And I think that also has to do with just being here in the valley where there's so much just incredible produce year round. Like it could yeah. be the middle of dead winter, which is still it's like sixty degrees outside. Sure, right. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, yeah, just <laughs> incredible, beautiful produce. And I, I love seeing restaurants highlight that and really just trying to do new things with just the amazing California produce that we do have. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's talk a little bit more. Let's talk about for anyone who wants to start some sort of media-based small business, you know, Mm -hmm. what have you learned? What tips have you learned as far as 
gaining an audience, keeping that mm -hmm. audience. You mentioned the behind the scenes, I think are great. Yeah. I loved that one of that Bloody Mary shot because you see the shot and it's amazing. And then you sort of see what it looks like just what from it, a camera yeah. setting it up. And it's like the before and after of the picture yeah. you get is really cool. So what have yeah. you learned about starting a one woman business yeah. that's really social media based? I would say, especially when you're in the creative industry, you're you really are selling yourself in a way. Like, of course, I'm I'm a photographer, but it's it's me. It's not just my pictures. So if you're in any sort of service based industry, or even like products now too, you really have to show who you are as a person and make it really individual. Because there's tens of thousands of food photographers on yeah. Instagram. How are you going to stand out? You have to really be be yourself, be authentic, and show why you're different or why there's something special about you that you're not like everybody else. And then really utilizing, especially from the small business perspective and when you're just starting out, do like Instagram is free. Facebook is free. You don't have to pay for the promotional ads or anything. It's like just take your time and really use just all of the your resources that you have that are free to you, use them all. I mean, you can just email and DM and reach out to potential clients. Uh, you don't need to be paying for billboards or advertisements mm. or commercials or like that was before where you need like radio ads or commercials on TV or but now it's like you can you can promote your small little business for for nothing. It just it takes time, lots of time, lots of energy and lots of dedication and patience, but you can start a business with really not much nowadays. I think in thanks to social media and YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of those kind of platforms. I mean, my website costs me like 20 bucks a month, right. but even having a website makes you look that much more professional too. Yeah. And it sounds like a willingness just to ask, right? I mean, a willingness yeah. to to say to have people say no or no exactly. thank you yeah. please don't contact me again but you know yeah. to just you, you put can't, it out you, there yeah you have to you have to put yourself out there and uh don't be afraid of no's because you'll get more no's than yes right <laughs> yeah yeah a lot more yeah. but but that's okay i mean that's yeah, part of the, part that's, of the that's deal that's part of it yeah i like to ask towards the end the same four sort of rapid fire food related yeah. questions and so we'll jump to that part the first is, what is your favorite cheap guilty pleasure? Cheap guilty pleasure, as in food? As in food, yeah. Hmm, cereal. Cereal? I love a bowl <laughs> of cereal. I don't know why. I guess maybe you could consider some cereals to be expensive. I don't know. I'd say relatively cereal is cheap. I was yeah. going to say pizza, but pizza's kind of expensive. <laughs> it can be, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not talking about like frozen box pizza, real good pizza, yeah. but that's that's not a cheap guilty pleasure. Cereal. I love a good bowl of cereal. My <laughs> wife and I both are, are, we don't buy it, but I mean, we went through a stage where it was like, that was dessert. Was, uh, we'd no, buy, exactly. We buy the giant yep. like, <laughs> bag cereal, not yeah. even like the box, like the uh -huh. off-brand bags of you know, sugar puffs or whatever yeah. else. And it's kind of the it's best. It's a good dessert. It is. It's kind of, it's kind of the <laughs> a best. A good snack midday. <laughs> exactly. On the flip side of that, what's your favorite thing to eat if money's no object? What are you going to go? Oh. If money's no object, like a really good homemade fresh pasta. Because mm. I think also I, I love making pasta fresh from home, but it's also a time thing too. So you could kind of put that into the perspective. But yeah, like a really good fresh handmade pasta is Always amazing. Okay. Yeah. This kind of then goes to the next question. What's your favorite dish to cook at home? Um, hmm. 
I'd probably go to something Asian just because that's really comforting to me. Just even something as simple as a rice, like, well, I guess risotto is not Asian, but any sort of rice-based dish, it really reminds me of my childhood uh, growing up. So any sort of Asian food, stir-fry, ramen, or, yeah, something like that, I would probably say. When you make ramen, do you, do you take instant ramen and then sort of zhuzh it up a little bit? Do you need uh, instant ramen, I'm, or do you take noodles and sort of make your own? Yeah, I like doing uh, – there's an amazing store over off of Harding in Roseville, and they have an entire aisle dedicated to noodles. Oh, so nice. I love to go to that store and pick out my favorite ramen noodles and then make the broth and all the fix-ins. And, yeah, homemade ramen is a lot of fun to make. It is a lot of fun yeah. to make. It's really complicated. That, it can be, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the ones – that's an episode I'd like to do as someone who owns a ramen shop. Oh, yeah. It, the, the, how long – I mean – you can make a simple ramen and it's not uh -huh. hard, but like a really good ramen at a ramen shop, you, it's such a humble food. And it yet is. the amount of time and energy that goes into uh -huh. the broth and then the base that gets stirred into it exactly. is a lot. So, um, and you've mentioned food growing up. What's the thing, what's the dish from your childhood that you would go back in time and eat that you yeah. wish you could be transported back and eat? Hmm. Let me think. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what would my mom make? She always made – now, this is not an Asian food at all, but mm -hmm. it for – okay, you know what? I take that back. Pho. She made homemade pho, oh, which was, man. like, incredible. That's that's harder than ramen yeah. <laughs> in some ways. I do remember she, she would make homemade pho, like, get the pork – like, all of the stuff and the star anise and put it in, like, this massive pot that took, up like, two burners on our tiny little stove. And then she would do, like, the rice noodles and all of that. Yeah. She – uh she would make homemade pho sometimes, maybe like once a year, but that was a really special one when it was homemade. <laughs> that's cool. That's awesome. Well, I think that's it. Taylor, thank awesome. you so much for, yeah, thank for you coming for on the 916. It was great to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 916. If you like the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen now on YouTube if that's easiest for you, or visit the website at 916.com. Those links are in the show notes. Feel free to rate and review the show. That helps more people find us. Or maybe pause for a minute from posting pictures of your food on Instagram and share the show with a few friends. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Both handles are at Dine16. And as I like to say, this isn't just my show, it's also yours. So if you have an idea for a guest or a topic or any thoughts on the show, feel free to reach out. You can email me at max at dine16.com. The opening and closing theme music are by my brother-in-law, Mark Owens. The Dine 16 is a production of the Hear Me Now studio in Citrus Heights. I'll be back with a new episode next Tuesday. So as always, until then, eat something you love with someone you love.